Hello, and welcome to episode 209 of the Nerd Podcast. Not much to promote. Uh, there's going to be uh, two split episodes, so you're going to notice there's going to be a little bit of an abrupt cutoff because we started to run out of battery power, uh, but... That being said, uh, the second half of that uh, episode, discussing discussing more about uh, WandaVision, the most recent episode of WandaVision, and probably adding on some more discussion of next week's uh, episode, uh, this coming Friday's episode of WandaVision uh, is going to go up next week, um, and consecutive weeks are going to be a couple of other things. Uh, there was a lot to cover. Uh, this is mostly us being angry about Tenet. To be perfectly honest. Uh, but uh, as always, uh, if you enjoy this episode, hit subscribe. Uh, let us know on Twitter. Reach out to us, NerdPurkwo, at gmail.com, at NerdPurkwo on Twitter. Yeah, uh, also a little uh, like our uh, sister podcast. We haven't actually been able to talk about anime recently just because most of our anime people uh, are either far away or we just haven't had the time to discuss anime but if you need a feel uh, your fill of anime uh, there is a wrap up of the best anime in 2020 uh, over at uh, I'm going to call it our sister podcast uh, the best boys podcast uh, and uh, I will provide a little link and uh, to that in the description for this podcast uh, but yeah, go check that out. Uh, look it up. Uh, the Best Boys uh, podcast, uh, an anime podcast, uh, hosted by Dan O'Brien and oh my God, I am having Justin Coates. Uh, so yeah, uh, check that out. Uh, in the meantime, enjoy this episode, episode number two hundred nine of the Nerdful Podcast. Stay nerdy, y'all. We are now recording. Uh, we, we finished watching Tenant. <laughs> and the highlight of Tenant was my UPS uh, delivery of my pseudo bonsai plant that I just received. So I'm really happy about that. I'm going to try to figure out how to take care of it. Um, and evergreen, as Jamie says, it's what we it's, know it's, it's not. It's technically not a bonsai tree. It's a it's a bonsai, but it's yeah. not like a bonsai tree. Yeah, that's the, the ones that they had online were hell expensive. Yeah, I that was the cheapest one, and they mentioned that that's the easiest thing to yeah. take care of. I'll start out with that, and then yeah. graduate to the heavier plants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, how how goes it, you lovely people? I love you. I, I miss you all, you lovely motherfuckers. <laughs> Today's your day, though, so how, tell us how your day is going. Um, a pants saw me online on PSN get my ass kicked royally playing God of War. Last night I finally platinumed it. That was like my birthday gift to myself by dying like 200 times <laughs> beating this uh, boss that just kicked my ass. Um, but I finally beat that character and I platinumed it. And then just like today, just chilling, um working out and you know it's just another saturday meeting up with my family love you all not just any, you. It's not just any saturday it's eve saturday it's it's a saturday it's a saturday <laughs> i mean as 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 i was telling charlie this is just it's a factual date of my birth 
it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. What matters is I'm, I see you guys either in person or remotely, and then we talk about how convoluted tenant was yeah. unnecessarily. Um, Be before or, we before we get the tenant, I would just like to point out that apparently I didn't realize this before, but even me are wearing uh, opposed. <laughs> <laughs> Science yeah. fiction opposed socks today. Yeah, I didn't We're, realize that. Oh yeah, because I just want to remember that sock because I have that sock. Oh, you have that yeah. sock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, blue crate. Yeah, so he's 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 wearing. You were out of frame and you were showing. Oh, okay. Right. He has Star Wars. I have Star Trek socks. Yes. Charlie's like, who the fuck cares? This is the superior star theme. But like the bro, the bromance is just undeniable. I mean, you, you know, you what what year in your relationship are you at at this point? Yeah, what are we at? At least ten. Yeah. Since since college. Yeah. And it was yeah. So it's got to be at least ten now. No. No more. More. Wait, Jesus. More Sorry. My <laughs> wow. We're ten. Not young. Ten. And uh, then add another fifteen. Jamie, we fifteen. Are not fifteen. Young, be like friend. fifteen. Almost over fifteen you know, now. Um, no. We knew we knew him a lot longer than that. This is oh shit! Because college was two thousand one. Jesus Christ. Yes. yes my, my friend. God. My friend. It's almost twenty years. Yes. Rich, that means I've known you for like almost. God, I can't even like thirty years. Now. I've known. You for most of my life at this point. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, you're the my the one friend that I think I've known for the better part of my. Business. Oh Jesus Christ! That means I've known my friend Matt for almost forty years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's <laughs> a lovely thing to to know people that long and to not let them go. You know, yeah. all these years. That's that's great. Thing. That's a beautiful. Thing. So yeah. Uh, Tenant. Okay. Where to begin? Um. Well, okay. First of all, how? First of all, has everyone seen Tenant? Pants. Do you know about the Tenant? I do not, but I'm still down to hang out until I gotta hop off anyway. So talk away. I don't care about spoilers. Okay. okay. Yeah, Charlie okay. said you had something to say. A joke or something you heard about. No, 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 no. Um, it was about WandaVision, but we... Oh, WandaVision. Okay. okay. Yeah. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, I... Wait, how did you put it last time, Charlie? He... Ten, okay. It's confusing. Here's, here's my synopsis of Tenet. Tenet, 2020, directed by Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan, in a desperate attempt to get his father's approval, makes the world's most complicated movie for no reason. His father still does not approve of him. So... It's ambitious. It's ambitious to, in terms of tackling time and chronology and all that shit in a movie. Um, but I don't know if it's a movie we needed. Okay, I'm gonna... I, I just we'll get into this, say. but I will say two things. Just right off the bat, uh, it is in narrative-wise, it's not as complicated as everyone seems to be making it out to be. Uh, it's just that because it, it's 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 a lot like Memento in that sense. It's just a scaled-up Memento where time travel is an actual thing, 
that happens in the movie instead of just being done by the director. I mean, you could argue that it's just being done by the director anyway. The actual narrative of the film, even though they mess with time all the time, isn't terribly complicated. Um, that's number one. Number two, if you want to see it, this movie done on a much smaller scale, much less complicated, same concepts and done much, much better, uh, it's on HBO Max right now. It's called Don't Let Go. It's just a much better movie on a much smaller scale. Uh, concept, and I'll just say what Don't Let Go is. Uh, it's a police officer, his brother, uh, and his brother's wife and their kid are murdered. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he tries to solve the, the mystery of why they were murdered. And in the middle of him trying to solve their murder, he gets a call from his niece from the past uh, before they're murdered. So, like, if he can, like, solve, like, who murdered them, he can tell her in the past and save them. That really reminds me of Frequency. Remember that movie? Yeah. And then, it, and then Frequency was turned into, like, a miniseries on, on Netflix, which was ex it's exactly the same premise. Yeah. I don't know. Like, all of this just seemed like n stuff I've seen in other films, but, like, I mean, like, it's a lot like what Charlie said. It's just, it seems like a lot of it was just needlessly complicated. Yeah. And on top, I don't know about you guys, but I just didn't, I didn't, I, the, the actors were great. I just didn't care for the characters. Yeah. At all. I don't I care mean, about In previous known films, at least there were like one or a few characters that I, I was invested in, wanted to see what happened. There's an emotional anchor in the rest of his films. Not this one. No. Yeah, there's no emotional anchor in this film. I, I, I kind of wanted the, the mother to die. I didn't care about John David Washington's character at all. Um, Robert Pattinson, I just want to punch him in the face for yeah. some reason. I, I, I well, by the way, Robert Pattinson is clearly her son. Yes. Yeah. I picked that up really like I told Eve and I was I mean they don't directly tell you because it's fucking Christopher Nolan. Yeah. But I was just like I turned to Eve at some point, maybe like halfway through the film and I was like, I bet you two bucks Robert Pattinson is her kid, is her son. Yeah. I mean it's not expressly it's not expressly uh laid out. Yeah. You, there's and there's a lot of theories and but because like his name is um, Maximilian and then if you spell it backwards it spells Neil that he's yeah important. so and and he you know he had he he had a lot of information but but you know what's wild like if you take that theory right that that Pattinson is her son there's so then she has a, a clear emotional anchor for everything that she's doing, right? This is about protecting herself and her son. He should have an emotional anchor because if he protects her, he's protecting himself. And yet, didn't care about even one of them. So what the fuck? <laughs> I think it's because he's like knows he's like he's from the future or whatever and knows already so on a certain aspect he when he says everything that happens happens it's just like 
he knows that it's going to work out on a certain level. He just has to keep doing what he's Yeah, keep doing. on moving and yeah. keep, uh, keep all of these things going in place. Um, like, it, it's, it's, it's like if he's emotionally like, like Robert Pattinson's character in any different way, he, like, it, he doesn't necessarily, he doesn't have a future. So he literally can't change anything that he does, including, like, his mom getting shot, like, all of that. Like... Yeah, but that doesn't explain why we don't like him. I mean, that's no one's problem. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it, like, yeah, we... But it doesn't explain why we don't like anybody in this movie. <laughs> it's, I mean, like, Dunkirk, I was invested in, like, some of the main characters in that movie. You know, like, I was rooting for them to survive and live. I didn't care. I mean, for me, I was just trying to, like, keep track of all of the different changes, the different timelines. You know, this is a team that's going to end the forward, that's moving forward, the, another team that's going to back, the whole uh, temporal pincer move. There was a lot of things that I was trying to uh, glom on while also trying to maintain all of the characters. And halfway through the film, I was like, ooh, my plan came in. That's something more uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> impressive with my time. I mean, no, no lie. I mean, when I watched it with Rich, like halfway through, I was like, you know what? I need to get groceries this week, so I should probably make a list. It, I, I felt, I, for some reason in my mind, I kept on thinking that if the people who did Gilmore Girls did an action movie, this would be <laughs> it. Because it's like a wow, lot of I would never have thought of that, but that's actually it's remarkably a lot accurate. Of dialogue that's remarkably that accurate. That I'm trying to like keep track of, and I'm like, I'm failing right now. Yo, that's super <laughs> real. No end. Dialogue that's there to no end, oh. just to be complicated and to and to show that you can be complicated. Yeah. yeah. Did I? Did I? I'm sure I've told you my. My my brief experience, uh, uh, watching, uh, maybe five minutes of Gilmore Girls. Which, by the way, my my sister and my mom love. Gilmore I watched Girls. Gilmore Girls. I, I I really did enjoy it, but it's like keep tracking, keeping track of all the, the staccato motions of the words just this coming one, out of your mouth. I, for, I don't even remember. It was someone had the line of he played me like a Stradivarius, and I just went violin, violin. <laughs> I know it's a cliche, but just fucking say violin. You don't need to say Stradivarius just to sound oh. smarter. Because, because, right? Like that's what that's what I did not like about this movie is it was like I'm going to be so clever, and you're just going to love it. And I was like. You know, I found Nolan's other movies much smarter than this. Like, Interstellar ha plays with the same concepts in a lot of ways, but that you had actual, like... Like, no lie, like, Matthew McConaughey gives a fucking amazing performance in that movie, and you actually care about him, like... Yeah, you care about those characters. And that movie had an emotional anchor. It's the relationship between his him and his daughter. That's, that's why, the whole thing in that movie. That's why I think that in Tenet, the characters were intentionally designed to, for the audience not not to have any kind of 
emotional connection. I think the real protagonist in the film is really the the sequences, the story itself that's taking place. Like the characters are secondary. They're is, they're. But that makes a shitty movie. Yeah, I don't think you, a director purposely wants you to not be attached to these characters. That's it's. It's art. You want to like obviously the story, but the characters that, themselves. That's why John David Washington's character doesn't even have a name. He's just protagonist, and Will is just Neil. Like, is I, I just I don't really. I mean, yes, I agree that it would have helped. I'm not defending Nolan in this sense. Like, I I think it would have helped if there was some kind of emotional anchor or something for us to care, but. I, I, the more I think of it, and I've watched it twice, but I, I think it's maybe he's designed. It's designed for the, the just the story itself. And so just, I think he was trying because a lot of his movies are just like experiments in some sort of form. Mm -hmm. And what we were kind of sold is like, oh, this is his, because he does like different genres, and like. This is his spy film. Yeah. Except it isn't. No. It's his experimental film to see whether pure ideas can carry an entire film. Exactly. Uh, and and what we've learned is that no, they can't. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the thing. Like with this movie, I just found myself feeling like. What are they exactly are they trying to achieve? And why do I care if they're successful or not? Like, I feel like they threw in little bits and pieces of like, well, if, you, if we are successful, we stop World War III from happening. And I'm like, okay. And I think you're supposed to, I think at the end, when you figure out that Neil and protagonist have known each other this whole time, you know, that's supposed to be like your emotional anchor. But it's like... I just didn't care if they were successful doing whatever the fuck it was they were supposed to be doing. Yeah, I would think it would. It's it would almost be more interesting if the world just did end at the end at the end of the movie. Like I was actually kind of part well, of it was just it was just like yeah, it actually would make this all much more weirdly in interesting if they fail completely and then the thing it's something more in something maybe character-wise that is what happens if they fail after they fail or when they know they're gonna fail that's an interesting movie especially if like you have a character thing but he didn't want to do that <laughs> he wanted to make a movie for film majors to deconstruct not for people to enjoy you know how how did you find the sound <laughs> jarring i did not like this the score at all you no, know, not, it, not necessarily the score, but the sound, the, di the sound, the dialogue. He's been watching a lot of Aaron Sorkin. No, no. <laughs> you said the dialogue. I was like, he's been apparently been watching a lot. Yeah. Of like, so, what was so? Yes, he definitely decided that he was going to do a lot of walk and talk West Wing style crap. Not even right? walk and talk. Walk and talk would have been more interesting. They would have been mobile like and moving. Ride, they were like ride the bus and talk, get in the car and talk. But what we're speaking to specifically is the fact that like 
the score drowned out audio yes. that was, and dialogue that was clearly important for you to hear, right? We were watching a video last night where... That might be a mastering problem with the... With the so there are other there are other movies that you uh, if you watch any of the Marvel movies on Blu-ray, uh, no, no, no. it's the same it was, exact same it thing. It was not that It was by design because because it it, it it started. This has started. This has been a common issue that people have pointed out ever since Dark Knight Rises, where some people were complaining that uh, they couldn't make out what Bane was was saying, right? Um, and but that was like you could still make out most of what he's saying, even though that ver like the final version of Dark Knight Rises had to be really like polished and and improved upon because the previous versions you really couldn't people couldn't really make out what on earth he was saying. And then after that, it was um, I'm gonna they, blow up this Blu-ray. <laughs> Sorry. And then Interstellar, there are parts. Small parts of Interstellar that suffer from the same issue, where the high bump and the like, the, the sound uh, o overcomes what characters are saying, and you can't really make it out. This happens again in Dunkirk, but because well, Dunkirk, it was that subtle ticking sound of a clock that was not overwhelming. I didn't mind that at all in Dunkirk. People notice it in Dunkirk as much because it's not a dialogue-heavy film. Yes. So you don't really notice it. But it is a problem in Tenet because... It's all dialogue. He, he, he drowns out the dialogue with so much sound. And it's not... It, it's, it's Much of it is kind of important exposition. That that's why when I watched it the second time, when I watched it with Charlie, I turned on subtitles, and it so was so much more helpful. But in the end, I'm watching it with subtitles, and why do I have to do that? You know, just to really get a sense of what people are saying. And it turned out like not everything, but much, much of what people were saying were important to the plot. Yeah. Or not. I followed some a lot of that, and I just found this like. I don't know, maybe it's, like, just not caring about... But uh, so much of, like, the sort of spy exposition early in the film, you actually just realize, it's just like, oh, none of this is actually important. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate the technique. Like, we, we should send the link. I, I'll, I'll send you guys yeah. the, the video. Like, like, it's a technique that gets used throughout... And, like so many movies have taken advantage of that technique but I was just like for him to actually say that by design I am making most of this movie unintelligible and that it's like designed for like the highest quality movie theater experience I was just like I, I don't like this guy anymore yeah the, that, the, that's one point I'll agree that, that that's not that's not necessary. Like, like my when I heard that, I was like, okay, really? So get take aside the fact that like you're talking about economy because not everybody has has capacity to get to a theater that has the best sound quality sure. or the money to afford that ticket. What about anybody who's anywhere on the scale of hearing impaired? Dude, I think I my think it's ableist. Soundbar it's can ableist. handle that. 
Huh? I, it probably could, but but yeah, it's the day. Yeah, the, like uh, when we first started watching it, my soundbar, I I, I was uh, blasting audio through that, and for the first time, and I've had this soundbar for years, it kept on like pausing. Yeah, every now and then, every like five ten minutes, when I shut down my soundbar and I started using the audio for my TV, then I was able to hear some of the stuff. It's just, the sound is just overly complicated for a movie like this. And, I mean, for the for it to be so dialogue heavy, I, it just doesn't make sense to have so much weird, jarring sounds that prevent people from paying attention to the dialogue. I, I think it was because, just a fail. Right, because... His sound editor, sound mixers must... Either, either they're like obsessively devoted to him, or they, or he has a different one on every movie. Because if I was the sound like the diet, like the uh, the ADD, like the ADR guy on on his on this movie, I would I would want to fucking kill him. Well, he, he's very. From what I understand, Nolan is even very particular about how how sound is utilized. Uh, well, sure, but still, it's just ugh. like it was just—it was just over everything about this movie was so overly complicated and overworked, and there was a good movie buried through a no, million years. No, no, no. For there just, to be a good movie, you'd have to love the characters. Well, so so I, so that yeah, there there's a couple of things that like there are. So you can have an overcomplicated plot. That's fine. That's Interstellar. That's uh, uh, Inception. That's fine. Uh, there are other ways. To, like number one, uh, you can overwhelm or at least downplay. You know, overly complicated plots that are either don't make a lot of sense or are downright stupid. Like you know. Uh, the second Matrix film, uh, you can kind of, because I thought of that too, but at least that you have some really cool fight sequences in there, or like some really cool action sequences, or some really cool visual set pieces. You don't really even have that in this to save it. And honestly, like, look, I, there are movies that I will defend in which the characters, or even the main character is profoundly unlikable or like profoundly on on a diet like you can't ain't there's no emotional anchor really uh like i defend quantum of solace the the 007 film it is the one of the it is the worst 007 film but that's because it's a james bond film it's not a james bond it's the one james bond film that doesn't fit in with any of the other rest of the movies because that's not it's not a james bond movie it's a revenge film uh, and it's a bad one. And it's not, yeah, it's not. I defend it if only because I think it's interesting to have the character of James Bond for one, in one of the movies, just be profoundly unlikable. Because uh, that's really, James Bond as a character is actually a that, humongous I mean, no, I, asshole. <laughs> I, I, well, I agree with you. Like, like that's a way to try something. Yeah. And, and you know, and still be... Within, within the rules of your world. This was just like, it, it was just so overly complicated that to me, I was like, there are some big 
plot holes here. Like, protagonist is supposed to just be, like, the smartest guy who's willing to sacrifice himself, you know, for the cause of the mission. So I'm like, all right, let's pretend that that's my reason to root for him. <laughs> right? Let's, let's say that that's why I'm here. How does he not know that the arms dealer should not be trusted? What's her name? I forget it. Uh, oh, Sunday's saying, yeah. Like, immediately when she starts talking, I was like, she is telling you lies. She's telling you half-truths. Do not trust her. Do not go back to her. I'm not as smart as you are, protagonist, so how do I know that and you don't? And so every time they would go back to her, I was like, well, that's just stupid. What? She's clearly not working with you. Her wardrobe was amazing. I have to admit. I was I... impressed by her. And and actually, the the whoever was responsible for like costume design, on point. I was like impressed with the suits. I was impressed with that that arms dealers. Because well, you know, wardrobe. You, know, you notice that because you have to anchor on the something. Yes. Yes. Um. Christopher Nolan, his movies are like, you know, sponsored in part by Rodeo Drive. Like, like they're well dressed people doing things. And and this movie was like well dressed people doing a bunch of dumb things backwards. for two and a half backwards for two and a half hours. And then Robert Pattinson thinking that if he just like you know behaves all cocky that that's called acting and I was just like I, I wanted to go home and then I realized I was already home so then where did I go <laughs> like I just I was like I'm lost I, I was sad and I and I and there's nowhere to, to go and so I started making a grocery list and it was fabulous I mean I'm all for Nolan trying different things and I that's why I love Nolan this is just this, you know. Yeah. He struck out with this one. It's. it's... I will say, I, I will say that the second time around, I, I was able to notice a lot of little details, um, since the very first scene at the opera, uh, and a lot of things just clicked a little bit better. So it definitely has. Um, much replay value as expected for a for Nolan film. But this is the problem. I in order for something to have to have replay value to me, you have to want to see it again. You have to want to see it again. Yeah. And and I didn't like based on what I saw. I was like, why would I sit through that? Like, do I have another three hours to give to this? I mean, I, I can rewatch Inception with no problem. I can rewatch the Batman films. Not Interstellar, I'm sorry. I, I didn't care for Interstellar. It's, that's fair. I mean, I could watch Interstellar maybe twice. But again, it's just... It, he re, it feels like he reached a point where it's... It really is... It's just a... It's a big... Dick wagon, fucking insecurity fest is basically like, a different way of phrasing it. The way you phrase it, Charlie, like it's a, 
we started at like almost 7 o'clock, 7.30, 7.45, I was looking at my clock. Asking myself how much yeah, time. Yeah, I was too. <laughs> Do we have to sit through this? And like I said, it's like anyone who argues, like any like conceptually wise, is like, no, dude, I love me some tiny whiny shit, wibbly wobbly shit. Uh, there, I like, I, like right off the top of my head, like when we started, it's like I could think of a movie that was done on a much smaller scale, was also done, you know, last year. Uh, came out last year, and it's just just a better movie. It's <laughs> just could this? And, like, no, go ahead, Charlie. About this is like okay, and then he made a whole. Nolan made a whole for like this man needed a diaper change throughout all of 2020 because he made a whole stink about how this can only be seen in theaters. And it can only be seen in IMAX. And he made a whole big stink about, you know, the, the, like the snobbery of it all. And it's like, if if that's what you're going to do, the movie has to be better. And it just wasn't. Oh, and by the way, the it has to be seen in a theater. Maybe because maybe the sound is... Has to be seen in IMAX? Bullshit. There's nothing in this movie that needs to be seen in an IMAX screen. Exactly! And, it's, and that's what I'm saying. Like, like, the idea of creating this level of pretension about the way that it needs to be experienced is already off-putting to me. Yeah. To try to, make, to try to make that push in the middle of a pandemic is, yeah. like, deeply out of touch. And then to have created a movie where, like, even when you do get a chance to see it, anyone on the spectrum of having hearing issues is probably gonna miss the experience of the movie anyway so who did you make this for to what end and why were you so precious about it i feel that this movie could have been could have benefited from a smaller budget he did too much with a movie like this if yeah. he were to scale it back I think he could have come up with well, a, well, a, a, well, a simpler, more streamlined well, well, story. Well, well here's... Here. It worked in Memento. I mean, <laughs> well, but, 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 but that's a perfect example. This is a perfect example, and it's all... It is every single, I want to say, like, white male or auteur director. It's what happens to them where they are... They're the prestige or whatever of their name starts to outpace uh, what made them interesting directors. And what made all of those people interesting directors and make better films was that they were working in some sort of under some sort of restriction. And you see that with everybody. Like, Nolan's Burger. You brought up Memento. It's because he didn't have the budget. Uh, even Batman, the Batman films, he's working under Warner Brothers. Exactly. Dunkirk, he's working in the framework. It's a World War II movie. He's not making a Interstellar. That's why Interstellar maybe isn't as good because that's him. Like Inception, even Inception, there was stuff that like he was still working within a certain limitation. There. Uh, I mean, I would argue. Yes, you know. Th maybe he needed some sort of limitation to bring him in 
but I think really honing in on what you're speaking of about like, you know, the director who, you know, the auteur who's just gotten too big for yeah. he where he is the star of his own movie. Yeah. Right. So he's both so he's both the director and the producer and the writer and the star and he's the everything. Yeah. The same. Like, there's only really one guy who can kind of get away with that, and even then he doesn't get away with it because his movies aren't successful at all. Uh, but he's made some... They're all beautiful movies. They're just... It, uh, Don't say Scorsese. No, Terrence Malick. Um, yeah. Terrence Malick makes beautiful films. Yeah, their movies are beautiful. Uh, they are... They're, they're a little too artsy for a... For my taste, they're they're very. I don't know. Like a, it leaves a lot. What's he done? Well, well, Terrence Terrence really Malick's yeah. version of this movie is Tree of Life. Yeah, Tree of but Life. But Anchor's Tree of Life is that Tree of Life, even though it's about everything essentially, is still anchored in that that family. You know what? It, you know, in Tree of Life. I mean. Look, Terrence Malick, just his, his, what he's guilty of in a lot of his films is he makes films that are just way too long. The Thin yes. Red Line, which got edited down to three, everyone complained about The Thin Red Line, his World War II movie. That yeah. it was just like, oh, it's just a series of cameos. I was like, that's because the studio took a six-hour World War II movie that Terrence Malick made and edited it down to three hours to release in theaters that left in all the celebrity cameos and edited out most of the stories. Story. I never, that was Terrence Malick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Terrence I mean, Malick, also the, uh, the New World, which is essentially two separate movies, both of which are amazing, yeah. but it's also like five hours long. Yeah, I mean, like, I just think that the thing with Nolan, it was just like, there's no one there on this movie to tell him no, or to tell him he's to George Lucas himself. He sure has. <laughs> right? He's pushing like, it. No. He's not about that yet. Right, but like, like this sense of like. I mean, if he, he made Tenet into a trilogy, yeah, maybe he George Lucas himself. But you know, it was like, <laughs> it, like the, I felt like it was like a please love me movie because it was because it was just so unnecessarily over the top in every way shape or form except for well, actually except for the characters that it was just like well then why like what is the purpose of this movie and i was just like somebody needed to tell him no somebody needed to like come in and help him edit but I think nobody was willing to tell the great Martin Christopher Nolan that he couldn't do what he wanted to do. And it's like, gross, you know? Can, can we acknowledge the fact that at the, the part of the movie where they decide to crash a plane, they have the only brown person in the movie to crash the plane? <laughs> well, all right. Speaking of brown people, I was kind of happy that John David Washington got the part. Watching the movie, I thought he was out of place. Uh, he's yeah, a, he's it's a small so, guy. It's so strange. I mean, he's average height, and 
almost everyone is taller than him. Well, he well does in, not fair, look... in fairness, Elizabeth Debicki is is like six foot two and creepily skinny. But a lot of people are taller than him in this sure. movie, and I feel that for him to be like this, like tough secret agent or soldier. He didn't give that vibe to me that, you know, he's a, someone who could save the world. I don't know. I just didn't get that. It's, like it's, in the, it's also another... He did all those push-ups. If, you were doing, if we're doing... If we're gonna, you know, go, like... If you're gonna cast him, I was just like... Just seemed very obviously, like, not even, like, halfway through. There's just like, oh, clearly you, Christopher Nolan, don't know what to do with this person as an actor or as a character. I don't know. It's like, like for me, I had a problem with like, oh, this person of color does not have a name. It's just for yeah, yeah. That's like it's so like, much like that's... you didn't know what to do with the black dude, so you didn't even give him a fucking name. I, maybe he, you just like colorblind when it comes to casting this for that character for that role. Maybe, but but the, the way they, but then the way they promoted it. Mm. Well, so much, at some point in the movie, and I think it was when they asked the one brown man to blow up, to, to crash a plane, and I think I just, it turned to Richard and I said, where the hell was HR? <laughs> like, where the hell was HR? Because it is like, because there is like, like Nolan is not known for having diversity in his in his casts like that, right? He's no, not, he is not. He's not really known for that. So it's like the you know, the, so much of this movie was yeah. like, did you see what I did? And it was even that. even at that level, I don't know that I necessarily thought John David Washington was like miscast. As much as I think he was misused. Well, that's what I mean. It's like you cast. It's like you cast a person, but clearly didn't know what to do with him. Right. Like because I kind of because I kind of I kind of if you if you think about it as like he's a he's a character who kind of has to slip into all different roles as the, as the protagonist to like gain entry into different yeah. spaces. Then he's I the like, same character though. He doesn't do actually do any of that. That's the weird right. part. But that's what you're led to believe until you don't until you see him not doing it. Right? So like if you take but if you assume that that's what he's supposed to be able to do then there is something about his being an unassuming looking person sure. that makes him quite that makes him actually quite effective. But I just think the bigger issue was that like he had John John David Washington is quite talented. I can't wait to see Malcolm and Marie. Sure. You know, oh, by the way, series. Don't Let Go is is David the uh, the star that is David uh, Oka. I cannot pronounce his last name. Uh, he played, uh, Mar he did Martin Luther King. Yellow one. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, he's the star of Don't Let Go. And he, and he was in that uh, George Clooney sci-fi flick on Netflix. Which I have not yeah. seen. I've heard it's, unremarkable yeah. things about it. It's not bad. It's, yeah. it's very vanilla. It's vanilla. Sure. Harley figured out the ending of that uh, while falling asleep within the first 20 minutes. Yeah, you were telling us. I, that was I, very obvious. 
Which is why, which is why, after seeing that movie, and then I brought in Tenet for me to see it a second time, but also for Charlie to see it, and then Charlie was... Why'd you have to... Didn't we talk about trauma last time, Rich? (laughs) I thought we spoke about that. Trauma. Don't encourage that. You know, you made her watch it once. Why relive that pain? Well, wait. No. The point was, Charlie made a face... And now I'm like, well, you figured out Midnight Sky, now solve Tenet. <laughs> that did not help things, but no, I mean, we got through it. Yeah, it, it, like the whole thing was like... Have 911 on speed dial, Charlie. And anytime he makes you do weird things like watch weird movies, just call 911, right? Just call... Listen. Just... What do you want me to do? Have an officer posted up? Like, put vinegar in your nails. Like, you know, do whatever you have to do. Just defend yourself. Make, make sure if he ever recommends bad movies again like that. Are you kidding me? We, we had to, he, he sat me down to watch The Island last weekend. The one was Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson? That one was terrible. I didn't even watch it, but go, I knew. Go watch the, watch the original. God damn it. Right, there, there are bad movies that that are you know we all you know we all have our guilty pleasures. That's fair. I love Pacific Rim Uprising, and that movie's awful. <laughs> I don't like every Michael Bay movie, but I like like classic Michael Bay from like the nineties. Hey, look, man, bad boy. All of the bad boy movies are fucking fantastic. I don't care what you say. I love all of them, including if you haven't seen the most recent one. The most recent one is fucking great. I just saw Machete Kills again, and I have to admit. <laughs> I enjoyed that. That was my first machete film. But that movie's intentionally kind of I know, but I enjoyed it. I, yeah. I've never watched any of those machete films, and I thought, oh my god, that's hilarious. Ever heard the best acting I've seen from her in any role I've seen her in. I just I just love that movie. Machete don't text. Yeah. <laughs> don't tweet or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the other thing. Everyone's making big deals about the plot twist in this movie and I was just like there aren't plot twists it's not that complicated a story it really isn't it's just that it plays with time like all of his movies do the narrative itself but the dialogue does not make things easy it does not it's, uh, it's that's what I'm saying like the, the actual the play. actual narrative when I that's why I was just like it's like oh there's a lot of plot twists I was waiting for plot twists and I was just like, the only plot twist that that kind of got me was that was a little bit was that John David Washington actually was the protagonist of the film because there was a short period of time where I was just like, please don't let it be that like Robert Patterson is actually the main character of this film, and I just watched two hours of this film to have it be revealed that Robert Patterson is actually the main character of this film, like. Which they kind of did anyway, but it was just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's so many plot. Like, people are saying plot twists. There aren't any really that many plot twists in this movie. I mean, it was just like, like everything. Like, like the dialogue was self-important. The costuming was just like, you know, it was on point. All right. It was. It was on point, but it was just like. You know, let's. You know, it was like a shopping trip to Harrods. Or the mansplaining, like when the mansplaining uh, when, of physics. When uh, what's her name? She got uh, her husband. 
she gets shot by her husband, and she's like half, she's like dying, and Robert Pattinson's character, Neil, she's like, she, she's trying to figure out what's going on, and he's like, okay, let me tell you about physics. <laughs> and then Ken, and then Ken Branagh gaining weight on screen from all the scenery chewing. It was yeah, like, with, a, with a Russian accent for sure. With like generous air quotes. Yeah. Like the whole thing, and I was just like, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. I, I, I did enjoy, I did enjoy time inversion and how that was shown on film. Like, that was kind of, yeah, that was the only thing that was kind of, but that's the thing. It was just like, that's what I mean. This is like, it isn't really plot twist. It's one plot twist that is carried out throughout the film. Uh, and maybe, maybe I'm biased because I've watched a lot of, like, I've watched a lot of movies where they mess with, like, time, and you have a character who's actually, like, doesn't know in the present that he is, his future self is kind of affecting things. Like, I can't think of them offhand, but I've, I've seen, there's nothing in this movie that, ha like, I, I'm sounding like a broken record now, but there's nothing in this movie considering actual time travel the way it was executed was maybe new and kind of yeah. inventive as far as, like, the, the inverse thing. That was kind of cool. But as far as, like, just the, the concept of, like, the future affecting... Like, all of that is just, like... I don't know. It's just, like, I've seen this done less complicated and better. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. It's just, like, I've seen this done. And what makes all time travel... Possible as a flux capacitor, but sorry, uh, but uh, don't get rich for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, really, honestly, like even Back to the Future, like what makes all time travel movies effective is their it, oh God. Sorry, it's becoming a broken record now. It's just it, they all have an emo a very strong emotional anchor to the characters because that's how you keep the audience attached to time especially like if you're going super physics-y but that's it's like the way time movies, yeah and yeah tv shows you want to uh be attached to them to have a vested interest in you know whether or not they pull through i mean i was telling you just earlier about uh the season finale of the expanse i knew what was going to happen with uh, the lead actor, I knew she was gonna survive, but those moments yeah. were like were heart wrenching. Seeing her suffer, pacing, um, and pacing, it's, masterful pacing. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, you know, you want to have some sort of connection with these characters, and I feel that all of these characters were very bland, vanilla, and I kind of wouldn't mind they, if all of them died at the end of the film. They, they were, they weren't even bland or vanilla. They were like husks. There was nothing. There was nothing because at least vanilla is a flavor. So I want to. I want to just. I so because I have to know. Uh, I have to pick. Ask Rich about this. What What are the actual questions for this movie? Because for me, I don't. I mean, aside from the fact that I don't actually care about the answers to any of the questions, I actually am on kind of on a level as like, what are what are what are the actual mysteries? I, I don't. I don't understand. I don't, I don't, I don't. Um, it, is it yeah. the connection to the 
Robert like to Neil. Yeah, the first time, watch after watching the first time, I I had, I definitely had questions, like, um, I, oh, for example, here's one, why, um, so when protagonist meets his, meets himself, uh, at the at the airport, right, and they're fighting. I, I still don't know the answer to this question, by the way. Like they're fighting, and. The future version, I believe, shoots. Like, why? If he he knows future future protagonist is fighting with himself, the the previous like the past protagonist doesn't know because future protagonist is wearing a helmet, right? But future protagonist takes a shot. He shoots. He shoots and misses and hits the glass. Why does he shoot? I don't know. I think he, I think he shot. My personal theory is that he shot to try to leave a clue about what was going on. A uh, couple, couple things about that that particular scene. Uh, as far as, so yes, there, there, there's a couple ways that you can answer that uh, with the, the prerequisite of I don't actually care. Uh, <laughs> the bottom line, so any of these uh, he could be trying to leave himself a clue. If you're operating like the way the time works later in the film, because he knows that the gunshot happens, he makes the shot. You're also assuming that the, the gunshot is inten intentional. Right. Like, because I, if it's I, going I, in reverse, there is no guarantee that like he actually intends to like actually shoot in that moment. Well, well, I guess, well, then there's there's the two theories that Pattinson puts together, right? There's the theory that, like, whatever has happened has already happened, so in that sense, who cares? But then there's also the sense of, like, a butterfly effect, that if you change something in the past, it bears, it, it bears impact on the future. Who is right, no one knows. And I, and I think for futures, I think there, there could not have been an intention to cause harm, because... Future, because future version wouldn't kill himself in the past, right? Like, he wouldn't do that. So you understand what his... I think it was... I think, therefore, it had to be that he was trying to leave a clue to help past him understand what was going on. Because... Yeah, we see a couple examples of that happening and it just failing. Of like someone trying to, I, I I can't even remember like there there's there's one or two examples of like either protagonist's character or Robert Pattinson's character. No, it's it's protagonist like kind of doing a thing so that he'll know it in the past or something like that. I it's yeah. All of it was just like needlessly complicated, and then like the idea that towards the end you must have like. So, but but but, but what's interesting like, that you answer when you ask that question is what it comes down to. Like when I when I say it was like okay, then what are the questions? I mean like major questions about the film. That's just a minor indiscrepancy in the film. Like we're actually the. There's that, but but it's but that moment that you're talking about, you have a question about. I mean, I understand that the film is designed so that to kind of force you to want, and pre uh, and Christopher Nolan has preconditioned us as viewers 
to focus on details like that as if they are important. But what this film has actually taught us is that, uh, and what this film conditioned us to do is actually that detail, that question, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the answer to that question is. It's not important, is really what that, the answer, to, to, to really answer, Rich, that question, it doesn't matter. What's your next You're plot twist question? Because the, the film does not uh, allow you to become more invested. It's not just that, even within the narrative of the film, what the film has taught us narratively, the way time works, is that, oh, why would that gunshot go off? It's just like, it doesn't matter. What's your next question? <laughs> Which I feel like my answer to every single one of your questions is going to be about, is that it doesn't matter. It's a cool effect on TV, on the movie. Because, because whatever has happened has already happened. Sure. But look, what I feel like is there are there major see that's what brings me back are there major questions about well, the way this film operates just from a plot wise like I just don't see it I don't see it that it's that complicated. Well, you know what then thinking again about like I don't know that I necessarily have questions more more than like who hurt Christopher Nolan <laughs> that, that we had to live through this moment right. But that's a different thing. I it definitely has daddy issues. Oh my god. Well, yeah. I mean, what what I was what I like, Rich. I didn't mean to rag on you there. I just what I mean is is I think Christopher Nolan's previous films have tricked us into believing that details like that are important and that we should focus if, on. If this were Inception, a moment like that would be something to Would analyze. be much more significant, yes. But in a movie like this, which, thinking about that, like, that, that split that Pattinson came up with, it just made it very lazy then for me. Because, because then, if everything that's already has happened that has happened, then to Jamie's point, it doesn't matter. Well, does this matter then? What my other question was about the ending... So after, you know, after they collect the nine uh, uh, algorithms, right? Uh, Neil explains to protagonists the, the truth about everything and how they've always known each other all along, and it's all a, a temporal uh, what's it, what you know, and he go he's gonna go back. Right? He's going to go back to the point where he's trying to get past the gate. And we know that... Wait, who is uh, going to go past, go back to the point where he's trying, where he's going to get past the gate? Neil. Neil. Okay. Yeah, we did, Neil, when he dies. He's going to go back, right? But, and we know that he, he's dead because he, we see there's a... For a second there, where he's trying, where protagonist trying to pass the gate, and you see his backpack. You know he gets, he get Neil gets shot. Sure. Then there's another version of Neil that goes the other way. So does he, is he, does he die, or is there, uh, or does he, or is there like? That's his uh, future. This is, is this was done in Doctor Who, you know, uh, and Doctor Who made things <laughs> make 
explain this concept so much easier. Yes. So he's about he knows he's he's about to die, um, yeah. because uh, protagonist tells him that he sees the concern in his voice and he's he's walling up because he feels that he he wants to let him know, but he's gonna keep going through it because you know that's his future. He's already lived his life. It's towards the end of his life, and he knows that John, the protagonist, will have a future coming up. I guess raising him as a surrogate father or something. That's implied, yeah. Again, something that they, if they had made more clear, that would have actually made the movie slightly better. If they had actually made that if, clear. If in they the end. did have a relationship, you didn't get that impression from. I was Robert expecting Pattinson. he was going to get out of the fucking car at the end. Like, yeah, he he saves them. I was expecting he's going to get out of the car. He doesn't get out of the car. The movie just fucking ends because you have to leave it as a question. It's just like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's not clear whether, like, you know, like, a version of him dies, but then you see another, like, what seems to be Neil, uh, another version of Neil running away also on that scene. So it's like three versions of Neil. So... I think you can also make the argument that yes, he uh, one version of him dies, but then there's like an alternate. Well, side. well, no, because keep in mind where. I mean, no, I, I think there's still there's still two, because I mean the only thing out is is whether the part the the one who's leaving whether that actually is Neil who's leaving in that scene, uh. You have to keep in mind that what the, the actual time is when that's happening is really close, if not in the moment where... Uh, so the, the version of Neil that's leaving is right about the time where the two different... the time that's going forward and the time that's going backwards equalize to each other. Yeah. So it's just... It, I, I wouldn't be surprised if... So the way I read that scene, where he's like, I'm going to go back, is he... That, for him, is just like... Just is kind of like... Continu not continuous, but, but that's just... That's the moment he... Like you were saying, Dr. Chu's, like, that's the moment he dies, so that kind of cycles in on itself. Sort of perpetually in that... In that area, in that moment, like of time, like a, it's a it's a time loop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But then Charlie's again, like, but, but 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 again, yeah. <laughs> like I said, like, like what, what I, I, okay, I'll give you that. That's a question, but that like I said, we come back to the 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 thing what of that's an open question, but so are a couple other things in the film that are just like but again what the film sets up to us leaving aside whether we care emotionally about it uh what the, the rest of the film has trained us to think to be is like even if that's a question it doesn't even it doesn't really even matter on a plot level like it's not important like whether that here that it's not important whether that question is answered or not like 
put like I said, putting aside whether on an emotional, like whether we care it's answered. Even on like just the, the logic of the film itself. But the logic of the film itself has set up narratively, even no matter what Christopher Nolan, the director, might want us to be like, ooh, that's an open question. It's more like, no, what you have shown us as viewers from this film is that actually that us questioning that actually isn't important either. Like, plot-wise. Because of the way time operates in this film. Like, I don't know, I kind of want to hit the eject button from this movie right now and talk to things that are really fun and interesting. Like WandaVision? Yes. Can we? Yes. Uh, we can totally it, end ten Keep in mind. Alright, alright. So, <laughs> one connection with Tenet and WandaVision. Well, the MCU. Tangentially, yes. Yes. The guy who has a beard, who leads the guys into that battlefield rich, he's the guy who plays uh, Quicksilver in the MCU version uh, of Avengers. I didn't realize that. I was like, he looks familiar. Uh, it, the beard kind of threw me off. Yeah, the beard did throw me off, too. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson in Tenet is MCU's Quicksilver. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Johnson, the dude from the battlefield in Tenet at the end, who you don't understand what he's saying because yeah. he's wearing a Bane mask. Yeah. He's Quicksilver in the MCU version. Yeah. Yes. yeah, and also and also the star of Kick Ass and also uh Godzilla. and also the soldier in Godzilla 2014. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and is also married to uh Elizabeth Olsen. Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah. Which is what? Yeah. Aaron Taylor Johnson? Yeah, they're... He's not married to her. I, I could have swore they were... Am I kidding? No, 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 he's married to the director, Sam Taylor Johnson. Okay, I'm confused then. Never mind. So on to be... Elizabeth Olsen is not married. Okay. Uh... But WandaVision, now I'm yeah, back Yeah, where, where do we even want to start with this? Do we want to Let's, start with the no, end? No, no, no. Okay. Let's not start from the end. Let's start from the beginning because, my gosh, I love a full house. Just, I don't know about you guys, but Baby Vision freaked the shit out of me. Dude, that, the title sequence? That title sequence. Like, down to the song, like, like the song is almost to the, the, like, the melody of the theme from Full House. Like, da, 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 da. I can't even remember the. I thought it was more like a yeah, it's a family ties or something. Family ties, no, it was yeah, family, family ties. ties. It was yeah. family ties, yes. Font is family. It's family ties. Yeah. Like font of the of the, the names and the credits. Oh, God. Well, it's all it's a bunch of eighties and and nineties sitcoms. But that oh god, that killed me. The photos, the photo montage reminded me of Growing Pains. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I was like. I don't know, I, I know you guys are, are not too fond of all of this, like, homage to these, you know, No, I, 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 I love I, it. I'm I, eating this I, shit I up. dug it. I just, I just thought that the first episode was a little bit of a slog for me. Okay. Because I, I have more love for the sitcoms of the 80s and 90s, and even to a certain extent the 70s. Like, going back to the 50s, that's a little bit too far for me. There really aren't that many sitcoms from the 50s and even the early 60s well, I mean, that I'm they really... Wanted, they wanted to start, you want to, it's, it, 
this whole series, aside from you know everything that's going on and the, the ties to the Marvel, the greater Mar Marvel MCU, it's also and the not Marvel MCU. <laughs> um, but it's also paying homage to all of these different shows of different eras. So yeah, for it to start it in the, in the 50s, and you, you had like Dick Van Dyke show and Bewitched and 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 like I Love Lucy. So I, I thought it was it was nice that it, it started there and, it, it, and it, every episode worked its way up through each decade. Yeah. And you know, just like the just the start of the episode of just like Wanda and Viz, um, just like failing terribly at raising how many hours old babies? You know? Uh, yeah, like <laughs> these babies are like only a few hours old and they're just like struggling. And then poof, Agnes comes in, and yeah. I was like, <laughs> the moment where she breaks character, I was like, yeah. shit, this is this is really awkward and uncomfortable right now. I know it's supposed to be a sitcom, but just that moment where just breaks character, no longer smiling. So should I take the baby? And, and that was just like, just a, I, I'm assuming it's fear in her voice. You know, yeah. when she did that, and that was just a start of showing how very scary uh, Wanda is right now in this TV show. Yeah. Well, but I, but I don't, I, I didn't take it necessarily as her being fearful, but because she was pretty casual about, to me, she read as more being casual about like, should I do this again? The other thought was like she was speaking in the previous week with um, the neighbor and questioning who Geraldine, aka Monica, is, right? And it's like she's clearly more alert and more aware. And she's, to me, she seemed like she's willingly going along with this. So I sure. can understand to what end. There, there, and there, there are. Of course, theories abound. Elements about this episode have made me change my perception as to is Wanda the big bad person or is there another player? In well, there, there's a couple other characters in the show. Uh, well, the big thing is, is we don't know who the, uh, the witness protection person is. That's true. Uh... So there could be, again, like, Catherine Hahn could be the witness, and that might be also another reason why she's going along with it. Like She's like, as long as I'm here, I'm As long as I'm here and I'm safe. I couldn't be safer. You know what I mean? <laughs> Ain't nobody gonna come get me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, if someone was after me, they're really not gonna come after me now. But what I've seen from this episode is, despite her tremendous and overwhelming power, She's limited. She doesn't control her kids. You know, there's some aspect, she doesn't control that stork that was in her home and issue. What, 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 well, that's two. the thing. There's some limited that, that comes down to, I think, I think I talked about this last week, is I think the more complicated when it jumps forward in sitcoms, the more things she has to maintain in the town. And the more things she has to maintain, the less control she has over 
I agree which with that. Totally impli- which totally makes sense that, like, when it jumps forward to maybe the 90s or, like, even the 2000s, like, sitcom, it's like, that's why her, like, that moment, like, when the, they're, they're getting into the fight and then the knock on the door happens and she goes, I swear I didn't do that. And it's like that means like she might not have consciously done it, but I think there's an element like of I don't know what when, when she Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, no, no. I mean I agree that like also as the technology around her improves, it'll be a little bit easier to compete with her. But oh god, I think I lost my thought or no, no, I think that one of the reasons that she can't control the children is because they are partially of her, right? They, they are hers and Vision's kids in thesis, right? So wouldn't they inherit some of her powers? I guess. But, like, can't, like, can you really fight yourself? And that's also why she couldn't shoo away the stork, because the stork was the harbinger that these uncontrollable things are about to come. But how, how are those... See... Be, this whole time, prior to this, to episode five, I was under the impression that this was all happening in Wanda's mind as a way, as a coping mechanism. But now it's more and more evident that this is really happening, and these are real people that are being held held, held hostage. So, how are those kids hers? I, I, do, I don't understand how. We're going to examine and see that towards the end of the season. I think, I mean, we learned that she doesn't create anything. She doesn't. She just changes things. Yeah. Uh, She repurposed already existing materials. I don't know what those kids are. Um, Yeah, I I don't know necessarily that she... That's the other thing when I was going to talk about the end is, is like... There's some other implicate, like when we're talking about that Wanda might not be like the person pulling all of the strings of this, because there's they keep coming back even in this episode, like they, uh, Darcy and Agent, is it Agent, Woo? they start all the stuff that like the fans in the previous episode they put it all all up on the board. They mentions like yeah, this is a scale of powers that we've never seen her have before. Uh, which implies, and also the fact that, like, we will get to the end, but there, that implies that there's something else going on that's, like, actually affecting reality. Yes. And using her as a conduit. I mean, what we know from, from Monica is that she really did give birth, right? And Monica would know, because she physically delivered the children. Sure. Well, so 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 it happened in a reality. Sure. If if not actual reality, it yeah. happened. Because the reality. reality stone could. I mean, if we're talking like Infinity Stones, could make uh, Monica's character perceive that she's seen the babies being born when when in reality something else is happening. Like yeah. I- I agree that like it's a lot to keep all of that going and if she doesn't and if she's never had these kinds of powers before like it's got to get harder and more draining and whatnot to to try to like balance everything but I would also be curious if like 
So, so this is what I was gonna send you guys earlier. Um, you remember Anthony from BC? Hunt. Yeah. So he had a theory about WandaVision. He goes, read WandaVision. My theory for where the show is is headed is it'll end up as a House of M situation, but in reverse. Instead of saying no more mutants, Wanda is going to speak mutants into being, and boom, here come the X-Men. And because the show is setting up Wanda as a super terrorist, the fact that she created mutants will lead to fear and distrust of them from the general public. So you keep that core conceit of the X-Men franchise in a way that makes sense. Which is which then explains how you get uh OG. <laughs> yeah, that's why I've been so excited about this season because That's not wait, are when we're saying OG or we're referring to? I'm referring to the the Fox version of X-Men where Evan Peters is Quicksilver. Not OG, simultaneous. Uh, well, you know, all that's, all that's my theory. Like, it's possible that the way the way Marvel is going to introduce the X Men is that in the frame that they always existed in a parallel in a parallel timeline, and that through Wanda, perhaps. Uh, or the multiverse that, that somehow of the both timelines are gonna come together. So I think the time I think uh, Anthony uh, yeah. uh, he's he's partially correct. Uh, the thing that throws a wrench into the works of this is the pandemic Weird, weirdly. Because I think the, and I said this from the get-go, I think the original plan was that the WandaVision was going to come out on Disney+, Plus, and then the second Doctor Strange movie was going to come out shortly afterward. Because I think this is suppo was supposed to, and they might have had to retcon some stuff, so who knows what's going to happen now. But I think this was supposed to tie directly into the Doctor Strange movie. Because that whole movie, even from the name, is going to be about the multiverse. So I think there's... there's And the fact that Wanda in the comic books is connected to magic as well. Like, there's something Doctor Strange-y going on on WandaVision. Yeah, that, I mean, the whole House of M storyline is what made me get excited about this TV show. Because I knew that if they're going to incorporate the X-Men into this, or at least mutants, they're, I'm sure they're, gonna, they're not going to incorporate any of the Fox characters outside of, I guess, this Quicksilver and Deadpool. Everything else is going to be a clean slate. So they're just using this to hopefully have her just, like, speak the mutant gene into the overall population of See, Earth. I don't I don't I don't think they're gonna do that is so if they're gonna in, integrate Deadpool and Quicksilver, I think it's not gonna be that they're gonna completely retcon. I think what the way why they're doing it this way is so that they can pick and choose which is probably gonna end up just being Deadpool and, and Quicksilver. But that had the other X Men movies become is so they can pick and choose, bring back whoever they want. 
Because if there's a multiverse and like if they do what they did in the comic books, which there was a multiverse and then it kind of got condensed down, is you can have a handful. Of, you know, you could you could have Patrick Stewart come back as well, and Ian McKellen, yeah. and with the way this is working currently, uh, they could just handpick whoever they want to be mutants in the MCU and leave be, leave aside whoever they don't want. You know what I mean? Or whoever just doesn't want to do it. I think it just came down to like the reason why we know Deadpool is because Deadpool was too successful and they like Ryan Reynolds and apparently... And every, he's the only successful X-Men uh, yeah. movie. And Evan Peters, I think it's just because he's the only one who didn't have nine other projects that he's doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKelly, uh, McKellen has a, have essentially aged out. Jennifer Lawrence is dead in the Fox. And, could, like, I think a good chunk of those people just don't want to be in X-Men movies, and I think he was the only one who was just like, like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. But I'm sure they asked other people. I don't think, I, I think they're going to start sure, I sh fresh. I'm sure they asked... It, a, a couple of the other actors and they said no for I think if they're going to introduce the X-Men they're going to start from scratch they're going to do their own thing maybe they would inc incorporate them into like the uh, Doctor Strange movie but sure. to like have the X-Men properly rolled into the MCU, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and you could even do that you could thing. even do that with the, with Quicksilver as and well and Deadpool finally, and they can hopefully finally for the love of God just just Bring the Fantastic Four and give them a proper movie. Well, they definitely will. I mean, you don't need Wanda to do that. I mean, with the whole fact that Sword is now out there in space do, dealing with apparently, Galactic apparently, and apparently, there's also a, uh, a, a. I haven't checked out what it is, but you know, these these things pop up in my newsfeed. So it's apparently there's a there's like a fan, Fantastic Four Easter egg. Some in one of the WandaVision episodes. I'm sure. I mean, um, I, that's why I've just like, I've tried to avoid any of, and all trailers because I wouldn't be surprised. No, I mean, it's already been in the episode. One of the episodes. Oh, okay. When oh. they're in Sword headquarters, apparently. Apparently, there's like a, there's some sort of like, it's either one of their names or it's, it probably reads name, but, but it's, it's, there's something in the, in the Sword like headquarters that is, that is. Clearly, like a, a like a reference to Fantastic Four, okay. not as the Fantastic Four, but something that is part of. The I I think if I think what it was actually because I didn't read read the article. I think it's it's a reference to. Uh, Which, I, it, it, no, it's in an episode that's already happened. Oh, it really? Yeah, it's oh, in an episode that already happened. I think what it is, it's it's a reference to the mission. That the Fantastic, that creates the Fantastic Four. Okay. I think that's what it is. It's it's and it's not like overt. It's yeah. I think that's what it, I think that is, is what it is actually. Is that it's it's a reference. Yes, because they said it's about the creation of the Fantastic Four. It's a reference somewhere in the Sword headquarters to like a mission to examine cosmic rays or something like that. And it's like oh no, that's clearly the mission that's they're gonna send the four people and those four people are the Fantastic Four. One something I wanted to mention uh, in terms of like 
they were talking about how her powers have scaled up so dramatically in this show. We're, I think there's a limitation to her level of control over this entire thing. Like the introduction of the alternate Maximoff, the brother. I don't think she's involved with that. When you saw her threaten the sword agents, her eyes lit up, her hand lit up. Whenever she used her powers, you see the red glow. All the time, through the MC movies, through this TV show. And the kids grow the, too. This is something, I don't, I, I think there's another player involved, maybe ties to the stones or something else. But I don't think she's the only one doing all of this by herself. Another player, maybe just as powerful as her, manipulating her in some sure. capacity. Because I think that when she controls people, and remember, when Norm was woken up by Vision, he said her. We don't know who, or we don't know who that person is. We automatically assume it may have been Wanda, but maybe that's not. Because if she was in control of him, her eye, his eyes would be red. Like what happened with sold, uh, the soldiers and sword in that episode. They're, uh, their heads I guess, are, but they're remember. outside her. No, actually, that that can both go against or support your theories. Like it's outside the barrier of the town. So. So people on the internet are speculating that it could be Mephisto. Uh, That's a they, character that you can't introduce in a TV show like this. Yeah. That he's too uh, large of a character to just like... <sighs> I mean, you could introduce him and then carry him over into a movie. And that, that he probably is like the main villain in the next Doctor Strange movie. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 